This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. Joining us today at the round table of dim lighting are Barry Taylor and Ben Ebrill, two of the four founding members of Sorted Food, one of the most popular cooking shows on the YouTubes with over one million subscribers. Okay, now cooking shows, are, they're more popular than ever, but what sets Sorted Food apart is not only are they our friends, oh, they but are. it's the way that they interact with their fans. They create more than just videos teaching people how to cook recipes. They tap into their fan base to create a social media platform dedicated to cooking, sharing recipes, sending photos, suggesting things for them to make. You like taking photos of your food, or you're beyond that. Uh, every once in a while, I'm tempted to do it. I feel self-conscious, but I still do it. You're self-conscious, but I think this conversation is like, oh, I should like, be I should unashamed, do it again. yeah. Should, unabashedly. The message behind Sorted Food is that quote, food brings people together, end quote. Unfortunately, we were not able to bring all of the sorted food members together today. Uh, Jamie Spafford and Mike Huddlestone, two other members, uh, two of the other four family members, uh, weren't in LA this time, but we had a great time sitting down with Barry and Ben. Uh, Ben is the resident chef of the crew, the only professional chef, so we talked with them about what it's like to have the one guy who really knows what it's like, uh, you know, all about food, and then the three guys that are part of the Angry team. Angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but that's what no, we it's, it, There's an interesting dynamic, right. and uh, it's also really rooted in the fact that they've known each other, not quite as long as we've known each other, but for a very, very long time since they were kids, uh, went to college together. We're gonna talk about how they came up with the idea for sorted food, it's a great, great story. We also talked about um, their Lost and Hungry World Tour. Um, just kicked it off here in Los Angeles. Pretty cool idea. I, I love the ideas that these guys come up with. We talked some uh, about what goes into that too, but this idea is them literally traveling around the world and only going to places to eat that their fans recommend, or, because we did open this up to Mythical Beasts, yep. we will reveal um, where you challenge them to go. Speaking of touring the world, we want to thank our sponsor that helps make Ear Biscuits possible, EF College Break. The travel experts at EF College Break create amazing and affordable travel experiences all over the world for people aged 18 to 28. College not required. Everybody knows the hardest part about traveling is planning, reserving flights and hotels, figuring out what to do, when to do it, how to get from place to place, who to blame when it doesn't become as fun as you hoped it would be because you're... I don't know, someone you don't like planned it. Dealing with cancellation. <laughs> or you planned it yourself so, poorly. Yeah, and you then hate yourself. Uh, all it takes is one thing to go wrong and the entire trip can fall apart and you hate yourself or the person who planned it. Why take that risk when you can let the travel pros at EF College Break do all this for you? And you're not gonna be mad at them because they know what they're doing. Uh, you'll be left to just enjoy the trip and say, oh, I'm so glad I did it this way. And when we said travel experiences all over the world, we was not lying. They built trips across six continents. That's almost all of them, including a Euro trip from London to Lisbon. I don't even know what Lisbon is, but if I were to sign up for this, I would. You can I think also it's go- a hard candy that old men give out to kids. That's Werther's original, hey, you not a Lisbon. sponsor. Hey boy, uh, eat this Lisbon. Uh, they got a grand tour, grand tour of Italy, uh, two weeks exploring the islands of Thailand, and one of the best things is that they provide a tour director who's a local expert, so you have a unique perspective throughout your travels. He's the guy that you blame. Yeah, if he, if he messes up, you can blame him, but you know what, based on everything that we know, he is not gonna mess up, he or she is not gonna mess up. And even if you sign up by yourself, you won't be alone. EF College Break groups you with other travelers who get to share this amazing experience with, so do it. Head over to our special URL, efcollegebreak.com slash 
Rhett and Link. We'll hook you up with an extra $100 off. That's right, for $100 off, go to efcollegebreak.com slash Rhett and Link. And now, on to the biscuit. So, how long have you guys been in LA this this time? Three hours. Oh, really? So, I, I flew in from Seattle uh, this lunchtime. Because uh, I've been sort of running this whole kind of Lost and Hungry tour on my own for a week up in uh, Portland, uh, Hood River, Seattle. Mike's been making his way to Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, we've come together back here for this. Okay. So you, you're kind of, you're sort of tag teaming in a little bit. So it isn't like everybody has to be together on the Lost and Hungry no, tour. We, we kind of work together um, in kind of waves, I guess. We've got the last two weeks, we're all together. Um, and then the past week, uh, well, Jamie has a, a baby and had to fly back to um, the UK to mother. Responsibilities. <laughs> and, uh, and the rest of us then had to continue with Lost and Hungry in our own way. Now, the, I mean, I'm such a big fan of you guys. I was telling Rep because you guys, you you approach your YouTube channel and your brand presence. It's not just, okay, we're a, we're a cooking show, but it's you guys approach everything with such professionalism and with kind of this network mentality that then in terms of how you do it, everything you you approach, okay, we got this new interesting series that people can get behind. And this is just another example in my mind. So just kind of give us the spiel of like how you came up with this, what was the motivation, and then how are you executing this this road trip thing? Yeah, so um, sort of in general, it's um, we started really as a, we've known each other like you guys since, would it be first grade? You guys knew each other? Yeah. Like major 12, is it-ish? Oh, like age six. Age six, so younger. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we've been um, since age of 12. Um, okay, going way back. All four of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've known each other for like 16 odd years now. Yeah, it's a hell of a long time. And we, um, when we all uh, finished school, um, we went our separate ways to university and then kind of came back and bonded around food. And then starting making videos was something that we all just wanted to do. We're all fans of YouTube anyway. Um, and it was just a natural place for us to upload the videos and share what we were doing with the rest of the world. Um, and as time has gone by, we've we've always pushed ourselves to see what types of content we can create to generate interest around food. We want to make food as fun and as because there's lots of possible. people making food stuff. I mean, it's all over television. There's whole networks, more than multiple. How many networks, food networks, are there just floating out there these there's days? Hundreds and hundreds of shows, but they they all have one kind of thing in common, and that's where kind of all decisions have already been made. Mm-hmm. And the point where they're publishing it, it's kind of like decision made. Normally, one chef or one person traveling the country experiencing food, but theirs is kind of the only opinion that matters. Them and the production team behind them. Whereas, the approach we've taken in the last couple of years, we sorted is everything's kind of been crowdsourced. If, if I'm honest, I ran out of recipes about two, three years ago. Right. Um, but actually, the whole community are always chipping in on suggesting what to cook next and and how to cook it, certain tips and tricks and how to do it. So that was kind of what this tour was all about. Was going, we've got this huge audience community of people who are loving food talking to us on a daily basis mm-hmm. about food how do we maximize that and let them shine and showcase what they know in the best way and was getting out of the four wall studio in london and coming to first stop america um but then on to the rest of the world to experience food firsthand with with them in control so they tell you what to, what you eat and you're saying you can't eat anything unless they tell you to eat it yeah it's two very simple rules we're, we're we all know that's not true but no <laughs> I, it's been, literally, it's I, been hideously <laughs> true. <laughs> the, um, so it started, so in, in the, basically the, the only two rules, one of them is we will get kicked out of the country in 90 days time because that's when our visa runs out. Right. We're on day 26 at the moment, really? I think. Um, 
and the only other rule is literally everything we eat has to be uh, recommended by somebody. Um, that has skewed slightly over time. There's been some great... Rec- I've been traveling alone recently and a lot of the suggestions are coming in on YouTube, on Twitter with the hashtag. But also every time you get somewhere, you meet somebody who wants to share their story or their favorite food. Food is something that just connects everyone. You can go anywhere. And as soon as you explain what you're doing, the first thing they want to do is tell you their favorite restaurant or their favorite right. farm mm-hmm, or producer mm-hmm. or or my mum makes the best version of this or whatever. So, you, so always, is that what they're doing? Do you find it more often than not that fans ask you to eat at places that they like or places that, because I know that you know we just got our fans to suggest where you should eat before you left Los Angeles. And of course they gave you a place that is serves rattlesnake. And probably that's because they know the kind of things that we eat. Yeah. Uh, but you're getting actually good suggestions. It's not like a dare to like get stuff down. It's, it's a complete mix. I think it depends who who they're trying to make suffer. I guess if it's <laughs> if it's Ben, it's going to be some some amazing food for him to try along the way. If it's any one of the three of us, they're going to make us suffer somehow. So it's it's a complete mix. And so how have you suffered so far? Actually, so far it's been. I've delicious. had some of the best. I've had some of the best. I didn't food. expect it to be so good so far. I, I came over to the. To, to the states we've we've been here before we've been to la new york on sort of with sort of before and in my closed-minded view la was california and california was la and they were kind of interchangeable yeah and then we spent a week in la doing some great suggestions around here and then we spent best part of a week driving from la up to san francisco along mm. california one phenomenal through vineyards mountains hills savannah beach coast you name it yeah that that road had it and all the food stops we stopped along the way. And that was when it was like, you begin to realize how awesome the food in this part of the world actually is. We've had some um, dead ends, though, when people have kind of gone, what's the most popular isn't always necessarily the best food around. So we came in the first week, one of the top recommendations was to go to Roscoe's. Well, I'm blind, and so many people say go to Roscoe's. Oh, yeah, Roscoe's chicken and waffles. Yeah. Yep. And you go, that sounds incredible. But then you get there and you go, the theory makes a lot of sense, but it wasn't the best chicken and the waffles weren't great. Oh, you're, you're gonna get. I, I feel. I feel. I like you're you're talking I, I to some Roscoe's fans. You're gonna kind of some resistance. <laughs> <laughs> Barry went straight in there. I teased it in a little. The chicken was was dry. Mm. The, the, oh, which one did you get? Which 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 combo did you get, bro? I went for the Obama. Okay, you got the Obama. The Obama, seat. which is uh, two chicken thighs. I mean, it's good enough for your president, but it's not <laughs> good enough for is Barry. That two chicken thighs and uh, two waffles, or or is it two chicken thighs and a waffle? I can't remember. Just I had the omelette. Has, has, you got has, an omelette with the chicken inside of it on <laughs> oh. a waffle. Yeah. Well, nothing's bad. Well, what you got to do at Roscoe's next time you go now, because I've, I've heard There's this. Not gonna be a next time. I've heard this <laughs> this this thing from a number of people. Okay. Um, is there like the waffles are nothing great and the chicken was dry? I so I'm not a I don't have a whole lot of sensitivity to dry meat because I'm a white meat guy. But what I do at Roscoe's is I take the waffle and I take uh, ch- the chicken. And I take the hot sauce and the syrup and the butter, and I make a sandwich. Mm. So you got syrup and butter on that to kind of moisten Eat. it up. You got the chicken, then you got the hot sauce that they got right there at the table, and you make that a little sandwich. I'll and do a little bit of that too. Good. And then I throw their cheese eggs on the side. They've got this like diced onion in it. Oh, it's so good, man. 
My, I take my whole family. I'm like, kids, we're going to Roscoe's. They're like, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we were there on a Sunday lunchtime. We had to wait. So oh, Sunday half, lunch. We waited can't half do that. an hour you got for a table. That, that after church crowd from yep. downtown, and that is can't an be doing incredible that. scene. Mm. We have to go dressed, at like a three o'clock. Women dressed to the nines with the big purple hats. Mm-hmm. We felt you know. very underdressed in t-shirt and shorts. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it's a, that's quite an atmosphere. But you, you set yourself apart from network programming because you're so interactive. I mean, every step of this trip is is determined by interactions. But there's also a lot of food shows just floating around on YouTube that are like YouTube first kind of thing. So you, they're also your competition. I mean, how do, you, how do you look at that and how, do you, how does that inform your strategy? Are they competition though? I've never That's, seen I'm, it's, it's I'm curious. I don't know, because it's the same with, um, you could say in one breath, you've got your Jamie Oliver's of the world who are what we grew up and we aspired to mm-hmm. be like. And then suddenly he's on the platform that we kind of grow up, grown up on. Yeah. Um, and developing channel, you know, and then people are saying, Jamie Oliver's now competition. You go, really? That's amazing. <laughs> That's a privilege, sort of privilege <laughs> to consider that competition. It's a great, it's a great, um, just, I mean, also we're fans of uh, all cooking shows on YouTube. So we are watching food on Beyond Belief. There's Anna Pantina who's also just been here. Just scribbled on your desk. <laughs> um, so you take inspiration from the, the way that the way they produce their stuff. At the same time, you never see it's competition because I don't think that's kind of what YouTube is. But, you're, there's, but there's you have to be informed by your friends making cooking shows or other other YouTube creators because you. I mean, I have to assume you guys are still you. You got to do something different. You got to do your own thing, right? Mm. So you're informed by it. Yeah, yeah and I'm, you're always looking for the next new thing, but. There's, it feels like there's plenty of space for food because food is so subjective. Yeah. So we've got you know a phenomenal audience who love different parts of what we do, and that's why we try and do a little bit of something for everyone. From an eye candy series, which is just like food porn, it's just mm-hmm. f- food photography, really, um, motion picture, all set to music, no how tos. We do recipe how tos to teach you the basics on how to make whatever it is you want to make. We do things like this when we're out and about exploring food at the source and uncovering that. So it's, there is something for everyone. So we look around at all the other competition, inverted commas, and see what everyone else is doing. But on the whole, we just go with what we're told to do. We do, we do feel a little bit like yeah. puppets sometimes. But we're, we're the same as you guys to the extent. Is our USP is our story. It's We're not... Mm. That's what set, that sets you apart from the Vine Brothers, as well as your story is, is your background, and the same with us. No one, no one can do what we do, because no one's lived our lives. So it's it's yeah. different. Well, and you know, you guys, it isn't just about a show. I, I think that's one of the things that that I notice is you guys have this enterprise mentality that this is a we are sorted food, and you're going to get not just one show that we're gonna do every single week that people might get mad if we change it up. No, we're gonna do this tour. We're gonna figure out what the best burger in America is or the world or however, whatever the scale for that was. And where did that mentality come from? I think it's about, we realized early on that food will never go viral. Food and viral should never go together anyway. It's sticky, (laughs) it's it's sticky. (laughs) Food is sticky, not viral. That's what we got to. And so we've never had a viral video ever. Right. The closest we got was a uh, up, down, dunk video parody of Bruno Mars' song. With donuts. With donuts. Mm. But at the same time, it's, it's, we've really struggled to make that go viral. So we have always had to push ourselves to work out other ways of spreading what, what we're trying to do and, and representing social cooking, which is what we're about mm. in different ways. Um, and also, we know that food as a topic is... You mean social... When you say social cooking, you mean like for parties? 
basically bringing people together. Okay. It sounds really, really kind of a bit lame, but at the same time, it's what we always say that food isn't the point of what we do. It just sits at the heart of everything we do. Because mm. um, it's what brings us a lot together. It's what, why, why we did the channel in the first place. So we want to do that for everything we do. Yeah. Well, some of the most interesting things that are happening in the food world in, like a touch point for me are these are apps that bring communities together. Uh, like I, you know, I've got the Yumly app yeah. on my phone. What does that do? Uh, it basically takes into account all your preferences. Uh, you put in your preferences or dietary restrictions at the beginning when you sign up, put in your age, you put in, you know, all these different things and it sort of learns you and begins suggesting these recipes that people have submitted and places from online. Um, and then also got the delectable uh, wine app which is like when you when you try a wine, you take a picture, you just take a picture of the the label, and then you, you you give it a rating, and so then you've got like the professionals, and you've got the amateurs like giving their wine tasting notes and stuff like that, and it's and, and but it links directly to their their feed, which is like a Twitter feed and, and things like that. Like I, it seems like you guys are, were ahead of the curve on that because you kind of recognize that everybody has an opinion about food. Everybody has an experience with food and you guys are like connecting the dots and you're, that's that's what I see when I look at sort of food. I see somebody who's connecting those dots and connecting people. Yeah, I think, I think also it's everything, when you talk to someone about food, everyone wants to share their food experiences and often that's down to one of two things, it's either pride because it's something they're so passionate about and they want to share with somebody else and, and make sure that somebody else has that experience yeah. or it's kind of a bit of showing off. Look what I can do. Look at how amazing this food photography is of my dish and mm -hmm. whether it's pride or showing off, we were getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of stuff sent our way whether it was full-blown recipes emailed to us or photos on Facebook and stuff tagged into Instagram and it was, it was kind of all over and people suggesting things we could change up and it was kind of like we was almost too much so for us it's kind of building the platform sort of platform in that people could have their own profiles form their own identity identity around food mm. and it could all go into one place that made sense rather than all this desperate kind of information that no one else could access we could see it because we've got access to our email account but nobody else could see how sort of awesome some of the recipes that were coming in from all over the world so it organizes it publicly now we're talking about your app right not your website or is it both? It's a bit both. of both. Yeah. So at the moment we're we're running uh, the website or you know the platform which enables you to set up your own profile and have your own identity around food and share your recipes or just engage with other people's. And then we're also sort of running the blog at the moment on a day by day basis just to keep up with the tour because there's so much stuff mm -hmm. happening with Lost and Hungry. There's so much information. That's the best place for that. So the two are sort of running side by side at the moment. Now here's an app idea. So with We've, we've um, been working on our app for a while, which basically allows people to upload their own recipes and so on. So people are starting to track what they're eating and what's going in their body. With, no, you can't. Oh, no, this, 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 is a great, is this is a great idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> and of course, with the launch of the Apple Watch and all these uh, smart devices now you can now wear, you can now track how you're burning off this food. And these yeah, products. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. But nobody has delivered, developed an app yet that tracks what, what you may excrete. <laughs> <laughs> but why would but why because because do you remember oh, when we I, had the idea for sorted around a pub table yep. table after a few pints yep. that was quite a good one yeah this, <laughs> this, this one this is this great. one this was less it's less good so what you our excrete. doctor friend of ours tells us that you can pretty much diagnose anything anything, anything oh yeah yeah you can all right yeah totally it's, so, a, it's the sign of health and vitality is a, is a proper poop mm -hmm. yeah so therefore you, there surely must be an app out there shortly coming out you poop on the watch 
Maybe. Well, like, <laughs> or do you think should leave it in the toilet? In, in the toilet, and then you, you stick the to- you stick the watch down towards the into the fumes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the watch is on your wrist to track movement, surely whatever device you have, it needs to be near the movement down there. <laughs> so, do you wear the a, movement? Is it a sp- no, you, ring? What's no, the? Just, no, just just leave something in the toilet for you to urinate. On. The Apple sphincter and ring. Here's that's, here's that's kind of oh, going. Here's the name. I'm I not again. That, this is oh, a, you already this, have the name. Yeah, it's the name. I He's bought the I, URL and domain name and everything. I don't, I don't think this is a rude word here. It's not in the UK. It's going to be called the piss taker. Ah, Because okay. it takes the piss. Oh, oh I got it. You pee on the... You have a device that you, go, you put in the toilet that you pee on. And that then sends the signal to your watch, your phone. Well, I was thinking just poop. What's yeah. pee got to do with any of this? A bit of both. Well, whatever you excrete. Well, the... But excrete on you it. could start a new brand if you wanted to go the poop direction. Crapple. Crapple. The Crapple watch. Sounds like a, sounds, <laughs> sounds like a family board game. Hey, the, kids, let's play Crapple. I think you can buy watch. Crapple in the UK, can't you? Isn't it? You, a can. Drink? It's a you drink. probably you can. can. Yeah. It's a drink over oh, there. Crapple. Huh. So I think one of the things, too, it is, you know, a lot of people struggled. How do I turn what I'm doing on YouTube into a business? Uh, because unless you just have. A lot of content with a lot of eyeballs on it. The AdSense money doesn't really support a business. Um, how have you guys leveraged this? And you know, you, you've got a successful business at this point that's supporting you guys and employees. How's um, that happening? I, the thing is, if you tell if, to try and give somebody advice now is very different from what it was four years ago when we started. Um, we the only reason we kind of managed to exist the way we are is this is a it's a family and friends business. Um, we, when we started playing around the idea, um, I actually went to my dad and said, "Could you mind help us out to publish your own book?" He said, "Yeah." We started a few copies. He goes, "There's something in this," and backed us a little bit. We gave us a bit of cash to kind of allow us to start up a channel. So from day one, it's always been a family-run business, mm-hmm. which sets us apart from a lot of people. We've never had major investment from anybody. The company is completely 100% ours, um, and YouTube is the the numbers from YouTube. We never necessarily paid for all the bills at all. We've always relied on bringing in sponsorship. Um, we've got a, a fantastic partnership with Kenwood who supplies with all the um, kitchenware stuff mm-hmm. um, so that sort of keeps it going we sell books and bits of in the background but it's um, we've never we've never been where we're making lots of money it's always just about investing it back into the company working out how we can create the biggest and best community possible and there's no aspirations to try to turn this into a TV show it's just what are the aspirations well, it's, it's strange because Several years ago, I'd say yes, probably like th- three or four years ago, we were sort of hunting down the perfect TV idea um, for a format or something. Whereas, and time and time again, we were told by commissioning editors or whatever that it wasn't quite right or it wasn't going to fit in the box they needed to tick, and it mm. never quite happened. Mm-hmm. As a result, we just said, "Well, it's a great idea. We're going to do it on YouTube anyway because yeah. the community will love it, our audience will love it. We- we're just going to fly at it." So we did a lot of that, and now it's almost come full circle that. In the last year, we have had TV ideas almost pitched to us, but they've yeah. not been quite right. And again, we've always held off and just said, we're only going to make content if it's the right content and the kind of stuff that we know our audience will will love. The great thing about this tour is we're kind of getting a little bit best of both worlds because by doing this Lost and Hungry tour, which we're doing completely off our own back, just for YouTube, we're also doing it in partnership with the Today Show. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So you're on the Today Show and Matt Lauer and uh, Carson Daly are like, we're sending these guys around the crunchy country, the crunchy country, <laughs> the country. <laughs> they just take the mickey of how we pronounce things. We keep getting tacos and tacos. Oh yeah, wrong I, we and... saw that. He was like, "Could you say T A C O one more time for me?" So did you approach them 
or did they approach you? How did that work? And we'd been on the show a few times in the past. The, the biggest and best thing I've liked about this Today Show collaboration is we are still making all the videos ourselves. It's our own team. There's still only, what, eight of us um, on the road producing this completely. And we haven't changed anything from what we do on YouTube for TV. So when we started, the whole thing was all about how can we aspire to TV? How can we create content as good as um, and one day maybe be on it? And mm. suddenly now things come around to full circle where we are producing content the way we always have done for the last three, four years. And it's now good enough for TV because it's TV's adapted. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so that's been that's been a revelation for us. And the, the collaboration there, we know this this scale of what TV can bring us. Um, and we, we want to be, we want this, we want sorted brand um, and the community to get as big as possible um, over the next couple of years. So TV is an obvious route to go and the collaboration with the, um, the Today Show seems to make a lot of sense. Well, let's figure out, let's shift from business to personal a little bit. I, I'd love to hear, kind of take us back through the story of, if you're talking like 12 years old, I didn't know you guys went back that far. So take us back there. Where were you and what was up? Were you like riding bikes around the same rainy neighborhood? What's up? So we all went to the same school together and therefore we've known each other for that whole sort of seven seven year period in um, high school or secondary school for us. Um, various different times we'd- And what's the town? Uh, Potter's Bar, Hertfordshire. Um, so it was Chancellor's, Chancellor's school. school. Chancellor's School. Mm. So Barry and I were in the same form, which meant that we would be in the same class for registration, AM and PM. And occasionally there'd be crossover with, you'd do sports with Mike or Jamie and I would be doing music or, or Mike would do music. Is this like a smart kid school? No, you said, just, you no, said Chancellor's just, School. I mean, Chancellor's. I, no, it's just a I mean, it sounds fancy, school. but it's just a school. Yeah. Okay. Very good school. I it wasn't a posh school at it. all. Um, but the weird thing was, was I, I kind of got... got Closest friends with Jamie, things throughout school through drama, Mike through sports. I didn't speak to Ben once throughout school years, even though we shared the same classroom. The whole time? He was at the front well, of the class. Well, occasionally you need help with your homework and you'd come over and right. nag for you were, you were studious? <laughs> yes, more yeah. so. Okay. Ben yeah. was, Ben was actually, throughout school, Ben was a straight A student who had massive aspirations and could have been anything you wanted to be, but you chose to become a chef. And nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but the um, but, but did you was... know that back then? Were you like, I'm going to be a chef. Let me help you with your homework. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I, a lot of people were a bit confused when I said that was what I wanted to do. But I always just wanted to follow what I enjoyed rather than what the kind of the the railroad said that you had to do because you were getting these great. I, I I enjoyed maths. I enjoyed science. I did all of that, and I've got a sort of chess. I still I. Chess that, too. That has, that, I did play chess, but that's become more of a myth than so, a. Uh, so you shunned him. <laughs> you guys weren't even friends because he was such an, a geek, or a nerd, or what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel feel guilty for saying it now, but no, yeah, yeah, we did. I think again, it was one of those things. Uh, throughout school, I did every. My role in school was to become as popular as possible. I'm. I was shallow. I only <clears throat> did things to impress people. That's all I ever did. How did that pathetic. go? Not well. <laughs> Not well. I'm he came back crawling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, but then when it got to sort of like uh, sixth form, so the last couple of years of school, we used to be, we were a lot closer because we were doing more of the same subject. So okay. Jamie, Mike and I were in the same music class for AS. You were in the same drama class as the three mm-hmm. of them. So there a lot more overlap towards our later years. And we used to almost socialize together as well, didn't we? Almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> but, but then you said you went to different colleges. Yeah. But, but then... So what precipitated getting back together? You guys all moved back home after college? But the, the, um, we, 
the weird thing about our friendship group is about, there's about nine of us mm. overall as our friendship group and we still meet up pretty much once a month now all of us and we've all kind of moved back to the same area for so high school mm. friends a group of nine yeah oh okay so yeah. by like senior year you guys were actually friends yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah. i got it and got even it. now going back to that sort of same group it's 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 a really close up low rule. Every month older. you still get together now? Oh, there's a WhatsApp group that is probably buzzing in my pocket right now of everyone continuously chatting around. Um, and it, yeah. sorts, but it's the same kind of as if we were around the pub table. We're still taking the mickey out of each other continually mm. and, right. and a laugh as well. And even now, I think that the best thing we started this year was the whole concept of like we are all getting a bit older and between us, got houses and, and kids and, and right. waves and all sorts. But we did say that we, we didn't want to grow up too soon. So we're now actually every year we're doing uh, a fake stag do so if someone in the group is again a fake stag do oh no you don't have stag, stag do you have oh bachelor, parties. bachelor party bachelor parties. so a fake bachelor party where oh. if, if a member of the group if, if it doesn't no, matter if anybody's getting married or not if no one this year is getting party. married then we still need to find an excuse to go away for a long weekend and just do the thing that we've always done growing up so That's we, we just chuck, we chuck a couple hundred quid in a pot and say and whoever becomes what's it called at the end of the trip King Stag or King Stag, well, whoever was the best whoever, whoever man of the match from the, the match trip before, the then basically decides on the next entire trip. Okay, and that's fine. Everything. Right up to the point of turning up to the airport and being handed your boarding pass. We've got no idea where we're going. Oh, really? It's, just, it's like a we oh, know. We, it doesn't I, matter where great. you're going because it's it's the group of friends you do. It so with. where have you where have you gone? We've done one so far, and it was started last year. We went to Eindhoven. How? Where is that? <laughs> We didn't know either. I don't have the brochure. An hour south of Amsterdam. So you took a road trip. Oh, okay. So that was a, a short a short flight and um, a long weekend drinking and um, exploring the city. How big is was your friendship group after school, or was it just you two? Um, that's a good question because we we had a we had a friendship group that was uh, there might have been nine or ten. I like think there girl, was a, girls thir- and guys thirteen or fourteen if you include the girls because it was about half guys half girls um, from high school that then we got together a few times while we were in college. But we don't really, they're the kind of people that if we saw them, we would immediately catch up with, but we haven't made, uh, nobody really has made, except the people who are still back in North Carolina have made much of an effort to like stay together. I think it could have happened, but I mean, neither of us are kind of the ones to kind of initiate. We're not good long distance friends. Yeah, we're not. If Link and I were on opposite sides of the country, we wouldn't talk to each other. But are they the kind of friends that you don't have to see them for an entire year? But when you do, it's like there's been no time. It's like you was like it was yesterday. Not anymore, sadly, because I think it's just been too long. Out, I mean, it's been yeah, too long. At it's this been point. like ten years now. But there was like the first few years out of these are high school friends. First few years out of college, there was still like that kind of get together every Christmas thing. But then it slowly faded away. So it's not happening and anymore. Do they, do they get what you do? I think some of them. They well, they they're, do. I think their kids do. They do I now. Think I think they do now because we end up talking about things that they remember enough. Oh, we talk about them, and and, and they'll come out of the woodwork yeah, yeah, on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talk about right. our, our ex girlfriends and yeah, stuff like that, because there's a number of there's some, some ex girlfriends in that group. And but, uh, Leslie's mom called me. <laughs> oh, yeah. on the telephone. Leslie is our first girlfriend. She was Ow. my first girlfriend and his first girlfriend wow. at different times. Yeah, Good so lass. like a, a month ago, Kay calls me and she's like, I met so-and-so in the post office or I saw so-and-so in the post office and uh, her son is a big fan and wants a signed poster and like, you, you know, so we were like sending him something. So it was like, oh, we finally, finally made it big. <laughs> That's right, in Lillington. <laughs> Take but, that, Leslie. But you know, the, the interesting <laughs> you thing- missed your opportunity. 
with both of us actually. It was a, in seventh grade. For sixth us, grade. for us, it was a foregone conclusion that we were going to end up doing something together. Even when when we were twelve, we were doing weird stuff like making blood oaths, saying that we were going to do something creative together. And it, did you guys talk about things like that? Like we're gonna we're gonna do something together. You know, let's not do something regular. I, I had a I had a chat with uh, Jamie when uh, in end of the school years. It was always going. We don't know what we're gonna do. Um, in terms of our own careers. High school or college? Sorry, high school. Okay, yeah. Um, we just said to each other, end of the day, we want to make a difference, have an impact on someone's life. I wanted to go, in, he always wanted to do marketing and I wanted to go into design. And the point of it was exactly the same. It'd be that if they're picking something up off the shelf that I've designed or they've seen an advert that Jamie's done, you've impacted someone's life somehow, no matter how small it was. Hmm. That's all we bonded over. So that's, if we could work on anything, that tiny little thing there is something we could, we could see what we could um, form that into. Um, but the rest of us, I don't know. So then how did it happen? If it wasn't like a, you know, a collusion of Well, it, it was creativity. literally just around a, around a pub table, a table probably no bigger than this, at the Admiral Bing, and like Admiral a name Bing. drop it. It was a, um, a, a pub in our local town that we used to go to. It was the first pub you go to when you were old enough to drink, and we all went there. Um, Our pubs over there like gift shops and museums here. It's like you're forced to walk through them everywhere because that's what you guys make it sound like. They're, they're on the, you can't not walk into a pub over there. There's, there's like there's a certain magnetism. You yeah. kind of get drawn towards. I, I grew up in a village which had, uh, well, I don't know, 500 people in the village and uh, there was one corner shop and three pubs. Really? Yeah. More, more pubs than churches. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Like, isn't that the definition of like a hamlet which is like a small village is it has to have a pub to call it a hamlet. I think yeah, so. And then so. a village yeah. can be a village if it has a church and then a town and it goes right. up to city as a city oh, really? if it has a cathedral. So that, I think that was part of the ah, okay. definition. So what? what was the conversation like? Uh, literally just scribbling down recipes on the back of beer mats, sharing them out because I was trained to be a chef and these guys were eating sort of rubbish and kind of trash really. Um, so we would share recipes and although I was laughed at at the time, eventually they sort of caught on and then sort it's of... It's one of the fact that when you're out I don't know, you're cooking for a date of some sort and then you're in you're in the supermarket and you go, right, what do I need to get now? And then you start thinking, oh, I'm going to have to text Ben. I'm going to have to ask Ben again for some help. <laughs> I was and like you, a personal chef to, when to you, six or seven of you. Yeah, when you realise that your friend's right, it really right. hurts. It was one of those moments. Um, and all of us were doing it independent of each other. So when we met up, it was always kind of going, so what did you cook this um, on since we last saw you and so on? Um, and then in terms of actually kind of getting something started, all we did was we saw... We had something going on. We were all studying things that we could apply to work together on. So Ben was working as a chef. Jamie was doing marketing. Mike was uh, currently uh, working at the school that we all went to um, as a sound technician. Sound and IT technician. Um, I was doing freelance photography and wanted to get into film at some point. Um, and then we all said, actually, this is something we could all work on together. Um, and that's kind of, we said, we did it as a hobby, as a way of boosting our own CVs to start off with, really. To create something, so mm -hmm. we made a book. Did it right. What's a CV? Curriculum vitae. Vitae. What do you call vitae. CV? Yeah. The thing you when said you boost your own CV. When you when you apply for a job, that, like a midichlorian level or resume. something. Resume. Oh, resume. Oh, resume. So yeah, oh. we were all studying stuff. But wouldn't it be cool if you could, for us, or graduate with the qualification and an extra thing? And that thing for us would have been a self-published cookbook because it had been. Uh, a record of a load of my recipes, a record of a load of your photography and design, Jamie's kind of marketing angle on how he could 
push and promote. Right, and use it all, it all, all the pieces were so there. So it's kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? And so it was the it, book first, not the YouTube yeah, yeah. The book, channel. The book came a good year before that, and then we had a, as um, Barry said, we had some some help to get a load printed, self published. Okay. And then we had a shed load of them, and we sort of worked out well, how do you how do you shift books, how do you yeah, share how, this yeah, message, how do we get people to, buy how do get people to sort of do what we love doing which is sharing recipes on a bigger scale and video is the obvious one because you can get the right. friendship across much better in a video than you can on a written page so ben how did you how was that transition a, a guy who had made good grades and, and could do a number of different things i mean why food i don't know i just always came from quite a foodie background my parents although never trained or qualified in food but they've always been quite foodie we've i don't think up until the age of 18 i'd ever had a ready meal as such, I mean, fish fingers maybe was as. as you mean like a fast meal. fast food meal, uh, like a, a meal in that you reheat at home, so right? Take yep. out, yes, but not not in terms of buying a, a meal off of a supermarket shelf. Yeah, everything was cooked from scratch. Right, um, every night, and there was always great food in the house. So I just always was surrounded by food and loved it, and I've always wanted to carry that on, and therefore was so confused when these guys sort of didn't know how to do it because it was almost second nature mm -hmm. to me because I'd always been around food. And what kind of things were you making for yourself as a college student? Uh, beans on toast with cheese on top, maybe a poached egg if I felt fancy. <laughs> beans on toast with cheese on top. Baked potato. Come up with a shorter you do, name. You do a good baked um, potato. Yeah, uh, tuna surprise. Okay. Which was probably not tuna, <laughs> but well, still a surprise. Yep. Do you have hamburger helper over there? No. Are, you, are they like the, we've got rustlers? Rustlers. Which you think in the the burgers you get microwaveable burgers? No, yeah. this is this is a packaged. It comes in a cardboard and it's like pasta and seasoning. And you're supposed to, you know, take ground beef and cook it. You your own ground beef. You cook it and then you add these ingredients together. So you end up with sort of skillet. this like hamburger pasta pasta thing. skillet beef stroganoff kind of like it's all these different flavors. Mm, and uh, what we would do is. So bad for you, bro. We would take one of these and we would divide it between the four of us, the two of us and then Greg and Tim, our roommates. Because it would literally be, you would make a pan. And so, it, you know, it would all be there. You'd, you'd, I never made it because I don't make stuff. <laughs> but you like you or Greg would, yeah. or Tim would sizzle up the burger and then you pour in the pasta and you pour in the, like that stuff. It looks like the stuff you get, like seasoning, you get like, like taco a ramen seasoning. packet. Like yeah, taco yeah, yeah. seasoning. And then you just thing. mix it all together. And then you, it kind of hardens. Well, a it depends bit. on which one you have. Some stay like kind of loose, and then you. But there was <laughs> one called, uh, it was like called skillet sensation or something like that. That would make basically a big pie of burger and pasta and stuff, and then you would cut it into fourths. And we would. This is really not enough for a person to eat, really, especially a college boy. But we would do this because we were so cheap. Because that meal was probably like a dollar a piece. We we ate that so often and that was the limit of what we were cooking, except when we would do the deep fryer with french fries, with ranch dressing, bacon, and cheese on top of them. Because Greg, like Greg was, like was the one who was like, it was Greg, <laughs> Greg's idea to buy a deep, deep fry, fry, daddy. fry daddy. yeah. And and then Rhett's on board with that. I'm, I just, I'll just, if they make it, I'll just sit down and eat whatever it is. Because and if they don't I'm make it, you're happy with cereal. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, and ice cream. And so, I was just like, we were starving college students, but we weren't willing to spend money. So like we could each have eaten one of those hamburger helper things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we sat there and we would like meticulously divide it up into fours <laughs> and that's all you got. Yeah, yeah, why, yeah. Why didn't we just make two? I don't know. Because we didn't have two we had, we had one pan, yeah. <laughs> but but my mom we, would make that stuff too, by the way. We didn't have a Ben. We didn't have somebody who was attempting to rise above. So, you know, 
I think we waited till we got married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I haven't I haven't got to that stage yet. But it's the I think that's what kind of kickstarted this. We realised it wasn't just us that kind of were in that same situation. We just wanted more and more people. So I've I've always compared, and going from a very sort of chefy point of view, there are chefs out there who make careers of having signature recipes. And if you ask them what the secret recipe is, it's, it's their signature. They'll never ever mm-hmm. share it. Whereas I've been completely opposite. If there's something I know that works. I want everyone else to try it and I want everyone else to experience what I love about it. And I think that's, it's just the whole sharing mentality. And that's where video and YouTube and everything, plays and right the social it. media plays yeah. right mm-hmm. into that because it's, mm-hmm. it's very natural to share. I mean, you use the analogy of um, food photography mm-hmm. and you would never, nowadays, or 10, 10 years ago, you would never sit down at the dinner table, get out your camera, take a photo of it, take it down to the shop to get it developed, no. bring it back, stick it in an envelope, post it to a friend and send it to say, this is what I've just seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a little involved. And yet, and yet now Instagram's doing that in seconds. It's that the yeah. sharing mentality around food and food is the most shared thing on Instagram. Like and, and, not, wants... and not even what it tastes, just what it tastes like, but what it looks like mm. becomes because that's the only thing you can really share. Everyone can connect with that. Yeah. You can just put like a blood of mmm. It's like, oh yeah, nom, 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 Exactly. Right, that's what everybody does underneath. So you started to Barry, you started to experience Ben's influence. You're kind of going to him and asking him for tips, um, and that kind of, and then you guys realize that you've got these different pieces that come together. The book happens, then the YouTube thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the way that you see food and how you feel about your relationship with food changed because of this influence and what? You, and now that it's your life. I, yeah, I guess before sort of didn't really think twice about food. It was just there. I mean, I was, um, unlike the other guys, I didn't go to university, so I was doing photography freelance and I was living at home. So mum was always just delivering me food every um, every day. Only when I moved out then and started having to apply the recipes that we've been creating together and testing them, you're like, okay, right. The bit that made it click for me was as soon as you found yourself not following a recipe and you started just playing, and use it. I, I, I still, uh, once a week now, I'll cook purely for therapy. Just sit there and you just, I enjoy it. And I have no idea what I'm looking to make apart from I've got some stuff in the cupboard. I've bought some ingredients that I like the look of. Let's see what happens. That sort of sense of freedom and playfulness. And then when you see the look on someone's face once you've given it to them as well, you're going, you know what? I haven't done badly here. It's worth going, giving it a go again. That, that sense of enjoyment of cooking and the socializing bit was what kind of made it more exciting for me to get into. I've, you just start caring more. And then from that, my girlfriend now, she's obsessed with organic food um, and healthy eating and understanding exactly where food is sourced. Suddenly, I'm now caring about that as well. I never yeah. thought twice about it. But I think that's just kind of, we're very much of the generation, that naive generation about food. And as time's moving forward now with YouTube and social media, there's less and less walls to hide behind now. So people are just finding the, the, the stuff themselves and they do find it. It's it's fascinating. Well, one of the things that we, Link and I have been talking about is how when you start getting older, your next meal is something you really put you really look forward to. It. <laughs> you know, it's not I'm not not to say that our lives are boring by any means, but I don't know something about getting older and you start kind of appreciating certain things, and you can plan a whole week around that trip to that mm-hmm. that certain restaurant, yep. that meal that you're going to have, and. Um, I mean, that's just, whereas when I think back to what we were doing in college and the the way we were eating and the way we were thinking about food, I remember when I took uh, my wife out, the first date I ever like took her on, 
I took her out to Outback Steakhouse and I thought <laughs> that I was killing it. I was like, she is gonna be so impressed because I took her to the Outback. And it's like, I think about that now, I'm like, I'm a little embarrassed. And I was like, what did, what did you think? And she kind of came from a family where they actually ate well and her mom was an incredible uh, cook. And I was just like, what did you think? She said, well, I thought it was a little bit lame, but I really liked you. Whereas I'm like, now, well, of course I would take you to some place that was like, a special place that had some character that, y- you know, but I took her to a chain restaurant. I even remember back then, uh, I made up my mind. We probably having a conversation about this, you know, because I've been dating Chrissy for a while, you've been dating Jesse for a while. I think maybe you were coming to realization of what you're just talking about. So one Valentine's Day, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna f- take Christy to a place for Valentine's Day that's like not a chain. And I found this place like using the Yelp of the time, which was like City Search or something. City Search, yeah. And so I go to this restaurant. It was I can't remember what it was called. You'll remember, but I show up there, made reservations, and I said, give me a nice romantic table. We sit down there, and I had to drive almost two hours to get to this place. What? Never been there. It was in Durham, but it took like almost two hours to get there. And then Christian and I are sitting there, she's like impressed and everything's going well. And then after being there for like 20 minutes, I look over and Rhett and Jesse walked in the restaurant. Oh, oh it was they for had, Valentine's you Day. Had made, you had made reservations at the same place. Uh, what is the name of that place? Paragon the, or something. Uh, Parazod. 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 <laughs> and, and same it was, guy it from took, George, with George's Garage in Durham. He also owns it that. It kind of took the wind out of my sails that like I'd done something really special. Totally independently that we just happened yeah, to show up at the same like, place. Oh yeah, well he didn't tell me to come here. So Great that cheapened it a little bit. But one of the things that you start thinking about too, and I want to get your guys' perspective on this, is like you can food can serve a number of purposes, I and mean, one of them is to comfort you. Um, a lot of people just stop there, right? It's just like food comforts me, and so I'm going to eat exactly what my mouth wants. But then there's this sort of more foodie, more Anthony Bourdain mentality, which is like food challenges you, mm. uh, and I think that's something that. How does that phenomenon kind of enter into your philosophy and what you guys do? Well, it's interesting you mentioned Anthony Bourdain because I love the guy and I've read a couple of his books. And in fact, one of his books, A Cook's Tour, was him trying to experience the best meal ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was more about the meal experience, whether it was um, uh, a meal cooked in the middle of the Western Sahara Desert, surrounded by the camel caravan that got him there. And Mm -hmm. it was a... uh, goat or whatever and he said eventually after this huge journey across the world the best meal ever was one they had in vietnam and that was what kind of inspired me to go to vietnam um mm. last last year and ex- try and experience vietnamese culture and food but the one thing that food does is form an identity and connect people mm. it's probably the only you can go anywhere in the world and whether you speak the same language or not the chances are you'll be able to communicate through music and food mm. whether you speak the same language or not and that's math more difficult. <laughs> Let's more sit down difficult. and do some algebra, brother. <laughs> if, you, if you take an abacus with you, you can probably get across the basics. Yeah, but, right. Um, but, but food and music, both of them you can form an identity around and both of them you can communicate with people. And I think that's where fundamentally you go right back to basics. And it's just kind of, that's why everyone gets it. Right. And those other cultures, I think that's one of the things too, is that those other cultures, foods are challenging to you know, a palate and people get grossed out by And you've got to be careful other food. because it's a delicacy in one place. I had a, oh, do, you remember the, do you ever have the, the fermented herring back with you? It's <laughs> oh, a, no, it's, I didn't. No, it's a Scandinavian delicacy. Oh, yeah. It's um, a strumming. Yes, that's the one. And it is delicacy. It's very expensive. So you, when you are 
offered some. You don't want to sort of turn it down or spit it back out or anything. But it was revolting. Oh, the smell! Just, oh, yeah, the, the smell. Was that the PewDiePie? Stuff? The PewDiePie. Yeah, we did have it. He opened. We, we, we thought something had gone wrong <laughs> and it exploded, and it was the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. And we, oh, of course, this is a bad batch. But that, it wasn't. Was it. it wasn't. Was it was special. perfect. It was perfect. He told us it was perfect. I we didn't believe him. It's it's literally fizzy on your tongue as you eat it, and it's just. But it's somebody's delicacy, and and therefore you've kind of got to respect that without you can have an opinion on food and stuff, but you've got to be careful not to right sort of. Well, it's interesting because it, when you talk about the challenge of kind of expanding your horizons, it's it's kind of a microcosm of kind of appreciating another culture. Yeah, but I think you're even thinking about bringing that mentality into just your own way of life you're like not being a picky eater i don't know i don't know if you're cutting your eyes at me here but no but i mean you've changed significantly in the past 20 years of what you are interested in eating oh yeah you know i have a natural disposition which is i just like stuff new stuff you like I, new experiences I, I, so I like the same I experience. I eat a lot of different things and I enjoy, I, I, one night I'll be like, this is the best meal I've ever had. Then the next time I'm like, this is the best meal I've ever had. I'll go to a new city and I'll be like, I want to live here. And then I, next week I want to live here. It's just, That's just my disposition. It's just to want the next thing. But I mean, you there's there's a hundred things that you wouldn't eat when you were 20 years old that you'll eat now. Oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't drink milk or water. I would only drink soft drinks until <laughs> I was like out of high school. Um. And but I've actually started to crave sushi over the past four months. Like that's my new thing. I'm finally able to get there. Well, sometimes there's this little thing that just clicks with 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 the food, right? But I I want to explore how when you got a, a YouTube audience, you've got uh, typically a younger audience, and those people tend to be pickier, you know, because your palate hasn't matured yet. So. How does that enter into the way that you guys present your content and what specifically you talk about the food that you're introducing people into? How do you kind of take in that take into account the internet fickleness that just people have? It makes a massive difference. We know that if we want to get a viral video around food, you're gonna do something that is multi- cupcakes. Cupcake, yeah. multicolored cup multicolored cupcakes, rainbow foods. Yeah. Um but and we know that every time we do anything that is curry based so heavily spiced or alcoholic or anything that like you said a more mature palate the views never seem to deliver on that mm. sense but we know it means when you when we do meetups we meet the community they're the things that they're cooking every day uh-huh. they're the stuff that you go actually I, I made your what's the one we were just example go in fish curry mm-hmm. the thumbnail of it is awful it's very brown <laughs> it doesn't look very sexy it's not a sexy title to a video it's everything that is would, is, is destined to fail on YouTube. But the amount of people you meet who said, I made that recipe and it was brilliant. You're like, yeah. I, and I use it every week. And you go, okay, that's completely different from how many views or how many comments you get. So then how, do you, how does that impact your approach then? Well, I think we've always said that food, we, we, are, we try and do something for everyone. So we, we always have a balance. We'll try and do food from as many different cultures around the world, as many different ingredients and styles and stuff so that we have ticked every box. So that, let's go back to the thing was, sorted we try and get a problem we try and give a problem a solution Mm -hmm. we try and get it sorted and we kind of want that at any point if anybody was to come to the channel and was looking for something they have a problem they're looking for a particular dish or a particular scenario we hope there'll be a couple of options there that will get them sorted so they've got choice and we always try and tick 
every box. But we also know that if you do sweet stuff and baking um, and homemade bread and things like that, then they are more popular. So you kind of pepper that in a little bit. But if you could make the decision, you could just say, let's just, you know what, let's only green light things that are those big view getters, the things that people want to see. And why not do that? It's, um, uh, I think we're unlike most channels on YouTube purely because most of our views come from our back catalogue. Catalog. I think people, um, there are people discover us from our new videos that go up that are more viral suited. Um, but once they're in, they want to start cooking, they'll look for our back catalogue completely. Yeah. So it's always a surprise when you do a meetup and you're there and you're chatting to people. And, and the, the integrity of the meetup, it isn't just about meeting people, grabbing a selfie and moving on. Everyone there wants to show you what they've cooked or which recipes they've cooked or tell you their favorite dish. And everybody is different. There's not 10 recipes that keep coming up as everyone's favorite. We've got 700 recipes. And every time you do a meetup, it's different people cooking different dishes. And that's what spurs us on to keep doing different stuff because it's the variety that keeps it. And the integrity. We Going back to where it all started, it's not about fast food and, um, and baking and cakes and sweets and stuff. It's about a balanced diet and things you can cook quickly and cheaply at home on a day-to-day -day basis. So we always try and keep that sort of integrity through what we do as well as mm -hmm. we all want to make a cronut video or whatever, but right. it's the best of both worlds. What do you think about people who don't care about food? It's just not their thing. Food's not my thing, man. Um, I think personally, myself and Mike probably can empathize on the most. Mike still is doesn't really care that much sometimes. He, he um, He's... Uh, Mike, for the last year, has been working on, on Sorted for the last five years, and he still can't cut an onion because he his brain doesn't need... He, none of us, myself, Jamie, and, and Mike, we don't aspire to become incredible chefs. Uh -huh. We just we use it like everybody else. We want to enjoy the food. Um, and I think we always... <laughs> we, um, we've got a couple of friends from school who we didn't necessarily get along with um, who are, we always say, they're the hardest cookies to crack. They're the people we... we if we can appeal to mm -hmm. certain uh, characters, yeah, Martian Bod, <laughs> trying to hide the name. There's a character that we um, we, we, we could use as an example. Um, who go if we can appeal to you're person, calling him Martian Fod, Martian Bod, who who couldn't um, who does who doesn't care at all about food, literally hates this stuff, and also finds us a little bit annoying. How can we still make him <laughs> yeah like what we do? What's the answer? And get into food. That, for us at the moment, it, that's why we have so many different series as time goes by. Keep mixing to it appeal up. to different types of people. Uh -huh. um, you're right. I think a lot of time on YouTube, if they don't like us, we have a bit of a problem. But then saying that, we have an incredible community all creating different types of food. And on our app now, we have people who have bigger profiles than us. Hmm. So who are creating their own types of food. Hmm. So that you should hire those Martian people. Martian fraud. They're doing something right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm curious about the dynamic amongst the four of you. Then, if I mean, if if there's only one chef and the other three of you don't aspire to become chefs, and one of you doesn't even aspire to cut an onion, uh, interpersonally, how does that work on a team? I mean, you guys, is there is there conflict? Is there kind of a okay? You got a guy who knows his stuff and how am I valuable kind of thing? How do insecurities play out? I think right back at the start when, we, when we're writing... You can't answer this. You're the one who's got <laughs> it all together. There are, there are, honestly, the, the, I think uh, my dad said to me the other day, the only reason that we work as a friendship group is because we are so harsh on each other. We are... And it works amongst our entire friends. Um, we... I can't the last time I gave Ben a compliment. And any of us, anybody a compliment. We always shoot each other down. 
So therefore, the no ego is ever allowed to grow out of this at all. But we all respect each other massively about what we what we're good at and what we do. So, but if it's about food and you've got a chef, but that that's the, what I, it. I, I really think back to when you we, can't answer your no, question. I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> back to the first time we wrote the first cookbook, um, and I would write down recipes, and the whole point was that that recipe was only seventy percent there because it then had to go through the sense check because yeah. I was writing it as a chef. It need to be dumbed down and demystified. And actually, it was when the others started... Dumbed down is a really bad word to use. <laughs> dumbed down. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. That was, a, that was a statement of superiority. Um, yeah. See, that, that right there is yeah. where the conflict comes from. But, yeah. but, right. but, I'm anticipating this. But to mass market rather than people who aspire to be chefs or, or foodies. Tra- translate it. Um, Let's yeah. use that term, Make it right? relatable. Relatable. That's a better... A relatable and accessible. <laughs> that's a better word. Yeah. Um, but when he says something like, Okay, dumb down my recipe for the masses or for you guys. Do is, are there fights? Are there arguments? Yeah, of course. They're mostly on camera. I think that's <laughs> kind of the point. Is we we give Ben a seriously hard time. There is no other cook, cooking because you're inferior to him. <laughs> I mean, is that <laughs> the is that <laughs> the mentality? <laughs> because no, it, you it, don't know the food. There's that. Yeah. Is, that's kind of the foil. It has to be. That's part of it. Every other cooking show out there, the chef is the man. You don't mess with the chef. Hmm. Whereas we're the only channel out there who. Puts him up and then knocks him back down. Undermine and belittle completely because it has. It, it, <laughs> otherwise, you're just we're just being preached to. But but I'm not I'm not cooking a plate of food for somebody just to eat. We're doing it for a YouTube channel to share stuff. Yeah, right. So the skill sets in so Barry initially in food photography and graphic design and stuff like that. We, I mean, we've had I say arguments. We've bickered over the fact that I've wanted to plate it this way, a plate of food because that's how if you're in a restaurant, that's how I'd want it plated. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. said it doesn't look good on camera. That's not how we're doing it. Right. So even down to that, it's like. We're using each other's skill sets to, and and Mike is the the absolute best at just cutting through all the waffle and going. But you just need to break it down. Like I, I'm a novice, I need to know this. I don't need to know that bit. I need to know this huh, bit. Right. And even though he represent bit, he represents the audience. Yeah. Mm. And I, I having this sort of not scientific background, but liking the science behind food and understanding how the food gets to that point. That's the bit that I always want to to push into it and then you've got the sort of the creative flair from the other side and you need to balance all of it because without it no one would work and are there was there a point where you guys divided up workload and w- what your roles were and I'm I'm even curious yeah it's like okay you, you bring the recipes you bring the script so to speak um, but there's a there's still a question of is there a question of, well, is everybody pulling their weight kind of a thing? You know, even amongst the two of us, Rhett and I still have conversations about strength and different strengths and playing to our strengths and, and giving each other room uh, to do things. Maybe if I've got an insecurity about something and I overcompensate, like, well, you have to have these conversations. I'm curious if you guys do. Yeah, all the time. I think we, we recently uh, had to have a chat with, uh, between the four of us about, we, for every video to go out, all of us had to sign it off and have a look at it. And the system was a bit too kind of confusing at times because there were almost too many opinions on every single video. Mm-hmm. Um, we we said, look, Jamie, you're the man to look at every single video that comes through and you're the person to sign it off because he will respect everyone's opinion the best. Jamie's, well, quickly, Jamie's, Jamie's the people person. Jamie can, uh, we, we say he's the king of emails because he'll never not respond to an email. And he's always, he's always the person who is, make, he's there to make people happy. Um, it's so a conversation. Yeah, so therefore, him is in that role that's almost channel manager. Really mm-hmm. well, well for Jamie. Um, Mike is everything content now. Mike, um, 
had no background in production at all. Um, but so, and since kind of working and producing the videos, he's almost become the voice of Sorted to an extent. He knows the tone that we need to kind of be putting forward in every single video. He um, works with a couple of editors now and freelancers, uh, and Louise, who's our kind of head of production, who just basically puts every single video together now. Um, ben looks at and and looks after everything through. They've got um, James, who is a he's our social media guru, um, but also is a trained chef with the same university as Ben. Um, I'm the only one who tries to work out what I'm doing most of the time, <laughs> um, and so does everybody else. But we kind of I think we talk very openly amongst a group about what we're doing. Are we doing it right? And we're very open to shoot ourselves down and say, if we're not doing it right, we'll change it. It's YouTube. No, when none of we us set are, the rules. None of us are looking for promotion here in, mm -hmm. in, a, in a job. So therefore, we've all we've got everything to gain, but also everything to lose if we're not careful. So we have to work as a team carefully. It's interesting because it really is the dynamic of like a touring band in a lot mm -hmm. of sense. I would imagine, you know, mm -hmm. you're like the Aerosmith mm -hmm. of. Uh, well, the food. one direction of cooking was the one that we were um, oh. labelled with, which was yeah. Dangerous. Well, I gotta say Aerosmith because <laughs> they're breaking up. Yep. Let's talk about them at length now. Let's not. And is there it's funny that I said Aerosmith? The Aerosmith like, of cooking. <laughs> <laughs> put that on the back of your DVD. Let me further date myself. Why don't you put a, put my quote on the back of your cassette tape? Link said we were the Aerosmith of. I don't know why you have a cassette tape. So is there a um. You know, we talk about the fact that we've got this mentality this that we we do not see nor really do have aspirations to go off and try things on our own. We're just like, well, as long as we're around, we're going to be doing things together. Is it like, okay, guys, sorted food, this is the thing? Or is it like, no, no, Ben, you want to go and be a head chef at a restaurant one day? You know, like what what is the mentality? And do you guys talk about that? Yeah, I think we've all... We all basically neat we, we all know that what we're doing now is the best thing we can be doing right now and yet so when i grew up when i was trained to be a chef all i ever wanted to do was aspire to be a head chef in mm -hmm. a, a gastro pub somewhere creating menus on a regular basis serving maybe 50 60 people a night because i didn't know this existed like what we're doing now we've kind of forged our own way that the way the sort of a a YouTube production company, which yeah. didn't really exist five, seven years ago when we were sort of a university or whatever. Um, we didn't even know that existed. And yet now we're coming up with recipes on a daily basis with the community. So I've got like a million development chefs working yeah. with me to create the best recipes. And we're sharing them with hundreds of thousands of people a day, not 60 in a restaurant. So we are literally, or I am personally living the best job ever. But that doesn't mean that occasionally you look out and see what other stuff people are doing and you need to get that experience to make sure you're still on the, like, so you're leaving. the competition. So I'm, so I've handed in my notice and I, no, I, can't, I, I can't imagine doing anything different. Like we've been doing it for five years now and mm. it's not a job because you never switch it off. It's not a nine to five. Oh, yeah. um, it's you live and breathe it. It's, yeah. it's what we are. Yeah. I don't think any of us really signed up to this at all. I think I, I, um, I know, I think you had some aspirations of becoming back then a, a TV chef, I guess. But none of us really wanted to be on screen at all. It just seemed to be what was natural. Mm -hmm. um, I think Ben's right. I don't think any of us really know what's around the corner. I'd love to say the sort of community will one day outgrow us and become its own entity. And ha there'll be more than just the four of us to represent Sorted. It'll be mm -hmm. a number of different chefs. Well, you got a Brazilian uh, spinoff already. Yeah. Congratulations yeah, on thank that. You. Thank you. So that's... That was terrifying to me. <laughs> um, but that, that, that came from that, the exact same thing. It was kind of going... We are 
Food never be viral. It's growing at a, a, a good pace in English-speaking countries, um, but we know that YouTube and the food culture in, in Brazil and also Japan is is thriving. So we thought actually we can open a sorted section in in Brazil and see how that goes, and ask some of our friends to say, would you mind running a channel um, under the sorted food brand um, with the same ethos, the same yeah, vibe, yeah. the same community? See how that goes. And at the moment, it's going down really well. Um, but yeah, I think really, it's great. It's been really weird to see everything we've worked on suddenly working so easily with huh. somebody else. And you go, oh no. <laughs> that, I mean, that goes back to what you're saying about this different series and stuff like that. The fact that it's the fridge cam concept is so formatable, as it were. Yeah. That it's something that somebody else can grab. And as long as they have the same attitude towards food, and that's, that's all sorted really is. It's an attitude towards food. And it's not about the... F- we went for a meal... Um, while we were in LA a couple of weeks ago, suggestion it was the second highest rated thing we had to check out while we were in LA, and that was Korean barbecue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went for Korean barbecue, and it just sat around the table with a little sort of grill in the middle mm-hmm. and just picking up food and chatting away. You think that is kind of that's the epitome of what sort of it is social food. Yeah. Food happens to be there as the glue, but it's more about the people you're with mm-hmm. and the conversation. And the fact that you can pick up something like Fridge Cam and send it to another language on the other side of the world, and the attitude and approach to food is the same. That's when it was kind of like the penny drops. Like, actually, this is really mm-hmm. cool. Well, you know, I I think in this conversation, I've been a little challenged. You know, the fact that you know, I, I've kind of it's been a bit of mine to be like, you know, I don't make anything. I only make cereal because it's true. I scoop peanut butter and I pour milk over cereal. But you know, I mean, for so what would you say to a guy like me or just me because I'm here? Rhett, and what's your challenge for me? What's your challenge for Rhett? And Rhett, you can kind of give your. Uh, your cooking profile, that's mine. So my, I think I can empathize with you to an extent because I, throughout growing up, food was just a, a fuel, was what well, we running faster and being fitter and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then I got lazy and I just kind of stuck to what I knew and it was just the comfort of things. Only in the last couple of years through Sorted, I've, I've treated food as a fuel again, but in a sense of, I know that I have to be working at my best at all times. And with what we've been doing, we've been pushing ourselves stupidly hard and I've cracked a few times and so on. Life's pretty simple. All you have to get right is sleep well, exercise and eat well as well and surround yourself by good people. The food bit was something that I was letting myself down with and exercise. As soon as I started to to look after my body and go, I trialed different types of food and different things I could eat to see how it affected me as a person and how I didn't have to take any kind of extra nutritional um, drugs mm-hmm. in the morning to get myself going if I just ate well, if I sounds silly. If I juiced in the morning and got my, I, that was like taking a drug for me. Suddenly, mm-hmm. I had so much more energy. I didn't have to eat as much carbs. And then I go, actually, what does I started eating more and more sushi and raw fish. And actually, I was even sharper in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Then it might die off, and I might try something else. But I, I end up the best thing I did was test myself on different foods and see how my body, my head, everything else reacted off the stuff I ate. And that for me was something that I just found really fascinating i never seen sort food as such a important part of, your, of the way you work and the mm-hmm. way you live your life so, so lay into me just let me have it what's the challenge try something new i think it is that it's that pushing the boundary to try something new now i've started trying stuff new, once once a week but i haven't started i think that i think my main challenge from you guys at this point is that i don't i'm not willing to make anything like I'll try it if somebody else will give it to me. I think give you, or take. If you, um, if you try something, so but, but cooking it, preparing so what, it. But but takeaway. So it's the it's the essence of cooking being the chore part of it. 
if you make that yeah. the fun part, the plate of food happens to be the result, but actually the fun part, the part that is more... we Back in the day, we used to always go away in the summer and camp down in Bournemouth where Jamie um, studied. And we used to do big group barbecues and stuff. And it was all about sort of making the mm. food together. And actually the fact that we had a big buffet of food at the end was kind of irrelevant it was actually about the making the process of it and the process it was more fun and you got the beers open you're drinking you're socializing you're playing games or whatever but it's actually the make the process of it is more fun so all i would say is make that process as accessible and fun as possible get the kids involved get like, well yeah what's the it, what's the barrier because that's the thing make it a Thursday, i, I relate to that because i'm no i'm no great cook but i love to cook and um I have so much fun doing it. Like, uh, even when my my wife is like, I'm just gonna leave you alone and let you do this thing. I just like, there's like three or four things going at the same time. Uh, I, I'm just, I have a blast. And like you said, once it's once that's the the meals there, half the time when you've made it, you're kind of like, I, you guys can enjoy this. I'm I enjoy food better when somebody else has made it for me, you know. But it's like I had so much fun sitting there drinking a glass of wine while I and pouring a little bit in there while I was making it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so what, for, for you, Link, what is the barrier? Is it like I don't know that I could do it or I don't want to spend the time to do it? Like what it, when, when your wife leaves you alone, takes the kids back to North Carolina or whatever and, you, you know, you have like a week alone, like Christy tells me, she's like, he'll just eat peanut butter and ice cream and cereal and he'll go to like to, to in and out, but he won't. He will not make himself anything. It's like when my wife goes away, I'm like, "What am I going to make myself?" That I don't have to force her to eat. Yeah. Um, well, let me answer it this way. I'll reflect upon it, <laughs> and in the meantime, I'll thank you guys for coming in here uh, and and create sorting out this uh, ear biscuit. And next time you guys come. Uh, Link will have prepared a meal for you. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Oh, no. Thanks, we'll bring guys. You some food next it was time. fun. <laughs> no, thank you so no, much. Pleasure. Thank you. There it was, our ear biscuit with sorted food. Barry and Ben, let them know what you think about this ear biscuit. Hashtag ear biscuits. Uh, tw- their Twitter is at sorted food, just like it sounds. I'm not going to spell it because you already know. <laughs> also, leave a review on iTunes because that's helpful. All right, so I left this hanging at the end of this thing. Right? You did. You I did. Didn't, I didn't mean to make it a teaser. Like, ooh, I got some like introspective thought. Well, I, I just didn't, didn't a... want to end the podcast with them like talking so much about myself. But it was to and me. I wanted to gather my thoughts. It was a little weird. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was a little weird to <laughs> I me. Can tell you it was because weird. I was like, okay, we're, we had this really good conversation going about food, and then like. We're like this. This is a challenging conversation, and then you're like, I don't know. I I don't like to cook. I mean, I don't cook for myself. And then I'm like, why? And you're like, I don't know. I'll reflect on it. I was like, hold on. Is <laughs> like it like, is like a bad childhood memory? <laughs> like you, well, the one time you tried to cook a grilled cheese, somebody came and poured hot oil on your face or something. Like what? What? What is the? You is, there, know, is there a story? The story is, I was trying desperately to uh, end the episode because it's. Christie's birthday dinner and I had a date with her and I I should have just said hey guys it was really it was very abrupt it was it was it was like (laughs) it was as if I had struck a nerve I was like whoa one thing I don't know about Link I knew I made it awkward he's a has an emotionally charged reason why he doesn't cook (laughs) which I know you well enough to know that you don't have an emotionally charged reason for anything (laughs) so it's like I know that's not what it is well that and that's what it was ironically it was I was taking my wife out to dinner 
and I didn't want to be late. And I should have just said that, but instead I made an awkward ending. Well, to I'll the reflect episode. on that. <laughs> but in fairness, we'll reflect on in it. Fairness, Why don't you cook, man? I, I felt like if I answered the question honestly, it would have been another fifteen minutes. But now that I've reflected on it, maybe it'll just be another one and a half minutes. That's what it should be. I think the simple fact of the matter is, uh, I have so many control issues that play into cleanliness that every aspect of cooking for me is. It's like a potential a, mess. It's a burden of the additional cleanup. And uh, I've never seen it as a creative process or an outlet. I've always seen it as something that will have to be undone. And I I admit that's wrong. You, you, you know, encourage me. Maybe I can change. I, I feel like I should turn over a new leaf. I'm open to that. Well, I mean, th- uh, I think the best way to overcome this is approach it from something else. Like, what else do you do in life that you enjoy that you have to be has to be cleaned up after? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, if you can if you okay. can if you can latch on to that, wow, then maybe you'll be into cooking. I'll okay. just leave it at that. Well, that's a good point. And I will I'll look at it that way from now on. Okay, good. We I've cured you. Is it a disease? I think so. I think not cooking is a disease. And but you don't cook a lot, but you do it as a creative outlet. That's what you said, right? I, I, you get excited I love, about. It. I'm, I'm definitely not good at it, but I, I I love doing it. And every once in a while, I create something. I'm like, man, that's I'd give that to another human. It's funny that you say you do it when your family's out of town, and but I didn't quite understand that. I wanted to unpack that for a second. I mean, I will cook for myself. You know, when you've got kids, you. You can't just give them anything. They're they're already so picky. So you got to be like really careful about what you cook for them. So it's not the risk of someone else poo pooing your recipe. It's it's practical concerns that you're not going to like it anyway. You want to be more adventurous. It's easier when you only have to answer to your and own I, palate. And I and I do. I cook for my kids and my and my wife pretty pretty regularly. I mean, I don't cook as often as my wife does by any means. But you know, and and, and there's a lot of tag teaming that goes on. It, it's I, I pitch in and take. A, this dish or something like that. It's a, it's, it's, it's a and the way that relational I've, thing. The way too. that I've addressed that relationally is, I'm like, baby, you love to cook. That's, you enjoy it, so go for it, and I'll be happy to, to clean up anything that you're willing well, to make. Well, okay, so this is crazy. It's, so you're not, you're only willing to clean up. Like, you're like, I don't wanna cook because I gotta clean up, but the only way that I've been involved in cooking in the past is cleaning up. But you're, when I'm sitting there, when I'm sitting there making the, the mess, bad part. I'll admit that I, I like cleaning. I, I'll up. admit that the reason that I choose not to cook sometimes, if I'm if I'm alone and, and and to go get something from a restaurant or have something delivered, is the cleanup. It is the bad part. But I'm saying it's worth it, man. I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I think that when and I maybe I don't know. I need. To, can I reflect on this some more? Yeah, why don't you reflect on it some more? <laughs> but I w- I will say I think that the active process of creating something I have to clean up seems counter and counterproductive. But if someone else gonna gonna do that, and then I you know I enjoyed it, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna clean. I'm not gonna make you clean all this up because I got to enjoy eating it, and I feel like I owe at least that much. I don't know. It's my mind screwed up, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. You need to go see somebody about that, or we can it, just keep talking about it. Yeah, it does feel like we need like an, a, a therapeutic addendum it's to this conversation. It's fun, and 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 it, you, you accomplish something, and it's satisfying, and it tastes good when you get done with it. If you but do what it if right. it doesn't? Maybe there's that fear of failure too. Mm, wow, there's a lot going mm. into this. Mm-hmm. And I was abused by food as a child. Okay, a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> oh man, has the music been playing a while? Yeah, hopefully. Because we'd be out by now. Okay. Or we are right now. We're thanks gone. for we'll thanks be back, for listening. Though. You know, it's next week. <laughs>